Thank you, Jesus. Sing that again, if you will. Sing it, church. Your love so deep is washing over me. So deep. Love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I see. You are my everything. Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. Lord, hear my only cry to know you. worship you. May you be that one desire, that passionate desire of our hearts. I pray this, Lord, for us as a church, that we would have such a passionate love for you, a devotion, a very full devotion to you. God, I thank you for all you've done for us so that your love could wash away every sin, could take away the shame and remove the guilt and give us an identity in you where there's no condemnation, where we are free and we're righteous. We're saved by your grace, and now we can live by the power of your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are, all that you are doing. Thank you for the dreams, the vision you have put in the hearts of everyone here. Thank you for the future. Lord, we're expectant, we're excited about what you are doing, what you are unfolding in our lives. And I pray that today someone would find just a whole new level of encouragement that comes from your love. I pray they find a whole new level of hope that comes from your presence in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, if you love Jesus, will you join me and let's just praise him by putting our hands together. He is so worthy. He is so good. Tell everybody that you can that you're happy to see them turn and welcome each other to the service today. It is great to be here to see you, and I sincerely thank you for coming today. And I'm glad that uh, your heart is open to what is most important, and that is Jesus and the power of His grace and His love. If you're new, we would love to connect with you. And we have provided for you this orange card, and you can fill this out. This will allow us to pray for you and to get better acquainted with you. So would you take a moment and do that if you're new and wanting to know a little bit more about what's happening in and through this church. We would love for you to do that. All right? So fill that out. And as the ushers come, in this atmosphere of God's love and presence, let's honor Him with giving. God is so faithful. God knows where you are. He knows what you need. And so we're just going to continue this time of worship by being very quick to respond to what he's putting in our hearts to do financially. So let's pray. Thank you, God, again for who you are. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be here. Thank you for this place where we can come and gather. Thank you for every resource. God, we want to be good stewards. I pray that you would be blessed by our obedience today and that it would advance the cause 
of reaching people for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give today. I was just a little boy in the church where I grew up. And uh, it was another Sunday in my mind uh, where we went to church. But what was unusual about that day is you couldn't find a seat in the building. Uh, We had, in that day, these accordion doors on the side wall of the church where we could open them and you could have some overflow seating. Otherwise, they were used as classrooms. I mean, every one of those rooms filled to capacity. And uh, my dad was an usher at that time in the life of that church. And so there were so many people in the, the building. The ushers didn't even have seats. And so I remember him standing in one of those side rooms, and he was holding me because he wanted me to hear this guest speaker named Dave Reaver. And I will never forget being riveted by the story and the strong presence of God. And from that day forward, his ministry has always had a way of challenging me to another level. I've heard him growing up, whether it be on a university campus, in a church setting, and the Lord, through his story, encourages people. It's just amazing the gift that God has given him and then his willingness to give of himself the way he does. This is a man who is serving this nation and this world in a very unique way. He works with the commanding generals across the world in helping our military. As military come home, he is there providing resiliency coaching. There is at least a camp going on three weeks out of the month where these soldiers are being ministered to. He just finished one of those. Pastor Willie George in Church on the Move opened up the campground of Dry Gulch so that he could provide that kind of ministry. He's just finished one of those up, and we were able to snatch him away to be here on this Sunday because I want to take every advantage of having you get to hear him and be influenced by what God is doing in and through his life. You as a church were part of supporting a family camp last year. Uh, One of the first times it's ever happened where entire families of those who've been involved in serving our country, came together for care, for just a lot of support and love and ministry. And God used it. We may use the word hero in this culture a lot, and maybe it doesn't always apply, but today it does. Today you're in the presence of one of the greatest men that's ever walked this planet, and his message is going to lift your soul. I want you to join me in standing and giving the greatest welcome ever to Brother Dave Reaver. Would you do that right now? Come on. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning. Please be seated. I'm going to sit down, too. I convinced myself that if, if I could sit down, I could probably be less distracted. I fell the other day and a stupid chair had wheels under it and I didn't know it rolled backwards and I sat down there was nothing there. So uh, I had to be on cane and get a little strength back, but that's nothing. I, you look marvelous, darling. Marvelous. Great to be with you. I know some of us are first time together. I can tell you're looking me over. I'm looking you over. You're wondering what happened to me? I was wondering. <laughs> that was good. I was wondering how you were doing. 
Mark Haney and family are here, my dearest friends, my, with the Haney family and the tag along with them that's in pursuit of a beautiful girl. Would y'all stand right quick, that, that family. Here they are back here. Welcome these wonderful, wonderful friends of mine. Thank you guys. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to have them here. And uh, I, every time I come to the greater Tulsa area, I always marvel at the friends that I have in the area that means so much to me. This is a this is a very blessed part of America. And Pastor, thanks for the opportunity to be back. I hope that I and I truly mean this, I hope and pray that it is as meaningful for you to have us here as it is for me to have the opportunity to come. I love this church. I love that pastor and his beautiful wife and what they provide for you as leadership in this community is priceless. And I know you love and appreciate your pastor. And I do too, so I'm joining in on that. And I got to tell you too, that's got some pretty good music up here, man. Uh, I go to some churches, they say, y'all pray while we sing. I say, oh Lord, I will, because that's the worst singing I've ever heard. I pray God kill them. No, I don't mean that. I mean, not, but I thought your drummer, I thought he was pretty good. I don't know why you got all that bulletproof glass around him up here. But it's really good music, and it's fun to be in a church that does things with excellence, and you have a beautiful location. I'm just complimenting you because you, you're beautiful. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I think you're beautiful. My wife's with me, and some of my employees, we came from Dry Gulch. This last week, we had warriors from Fort Sill and Fort Riley, Kansas. And I honestly believe this. I think every one of them made a commitment to Christ. It was the most beautiful sight I've ever seen, how they responded. And this is what's beautiful. They had to get up and give a, a graduation speech. It's not like valedictorian gives one person gives a speech. Everybody had to give a speech. And some of them have been through living hell. And I'm telling you, their stories are just rip your heart out. Some of them on th- third and fourth and fifth tour. Uh, the most likely, the most likely person to take their life is a female combat medic because they have a natural tendency, being a woman, God trusted childbirth to women because they have a natural tendency to be compassionate. If it hurts a man, he says, kill that little sucker. You know, they don't want to be childbirth. I don't want to give birth to babies, but God trusted women. And women have a tenderness. And when they get in combat and they see loss, they have a hard time dealing with it. One of our combat medics... uh, not long, well, a couple of years ago at the ranch in Colorado, she, uh, she was trying to get the door open of a up-armored, that's what they call up-armored Humvee. It's a military, it's like a big, bad Jeep, about the biggest, baddest Jeep ever built. And the explosion under the Humvee caused the doors where they couldn't get them open, and the fire was inside, and she watched her roommate burn to death. And we thought, boy... If she comes, she's probably going to take her life at our ranch. We have never lost a soldier to suicide in our entire program. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. I said that, and then I just recalled, as I said it, one kid, uh, we, didn't, we didn't lose him. Somebody else did, but he, uh, he ended up, did take his life. He, he came home with all of his arms and legs and mind. But he came home and started doing drugs. How many young people in here? If you're under 25, stand up. Under 25, stand up. 
That's why there'll be a church here tomorrow. I want you to look around. My goodness, what a beautiful, awesome, incredible sight. You can be seated. If you're 15 years old, stand up. If you're 15, stand up. There you go. Okay. Clean your nasty room. Your parents told me to tell you that. I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> your tennis shoes move themselves around at night by themselves. But anyway, uh, I, I'll, I'll get on with what I'm here for. I could ramble a while, but I need to get into our program. By the way, uh, out these out somewhere right out here, we have our uh, books and things available. I'll do it real quick. I have a movie on my life called Scars That Heal. It's rated R for righteous. No cursing and no nudity. I do not appear naked in my movie. That's why there's no cursing. Or they'd call that movie Blue Street. I have a book called Scarred. It is an autobiography. And I usually don't do this. I have people that do it for me, but they're not, they couldn't be here today. It is an autobiography with endorsements from Ronald Reagan and Billy Graham. And I figure if they like it, you will too. And a brand new book just out that I was privileged and I believe authorized by the Spirit of God to write. It's called War and Recovery, which is the title of a new show on Trinity Broadcasting Network in a couple of months. It's just going into production. And we have on May the 2nd, can you remember a date? May 2nd at noon. Actually, it's 1230, but if you, if you tune in at noon on Daystar on May 2nd, you'll see a program called Tragedy to Triumph with Dave Reber. And I have my guests are all our warriors coming back from the war and how Jesus has intervened in their lives. It'll blow you away. It's not me standing up preaching. you got preachers that know how to do that. Pastors can preach. I'm not a very good preacher, but I'm good at interviewing. And if you tune in May 2nd on Daystar Network, you'll get, you'll get to see some of the greatest heroes this nation has ever brought home from war. And I hope you'll be looking at it. War and Recovery is a great book. And then we have one for the children. Pardon the commercial. I'm almost through. But it doesn't bother you when they do this on the late night show. Huh. Take that. Magic Fountain. It's a story of three old hags in their search for riches and what they find when they come across the king's son on a white horse. It'll blow your mind. All of the artwork is hand-drawn. There's not one computer-generated image in this book. This will be an heirloom to your family. Your children will never, ever forget the story of Jesus once they've read the story of the magic fountain. And we did this for pastors. Some of you have this shirt. We brought it last time, but I brought it again in case you didn't wash the last one. Live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. Do you like that? Do you, uh, do you mind if I read from my iPhone? Is that okay with you? I like to read my scripture from the iPhone because it makes great big letters. <laughs> you know, the older you get, the more you bigger the letters get, amen? So if you have your iPhones, turn with me. I actually want to, I'm going to do a, a different position of my scripture reading than I did in the first service. I like to read, uh, this one is one of my favorites. You've all heard it from Second uh, Corinthians 4, verse 8. We are troubled on every side, say troubled. That's an important word. You remember when Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble? He said, but I have overcome the world. He didn't say I've overcome trouble. Because you see, trouble is the symptom. The world is the problem. So when you overcome the world, you, trouble's on its run. 
You, you beat trouble every time you beat the world. You beat trouble. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I want to talk to you a little bit about, and use personal examples. Is that okay? I don't want you to think I can't talk about my message without talking about myself. But I'm a pretty good example an illustration of my own message. Because you look at me, I wasn't born with my face half blown off, 90% blown off. I had my thumb. They made this out of my hip. Isn't that cool? I don't know if it's a thumb or a hip. I don't suck it. <laughs> don't suck your hip. That's my motto. <laughs> look at some of you are saying, Pastor, did you hear that? <laughs> He's busting up. And on this hand, uh, a bullet went through here, separated my fingers, I didn't know what happened. I thought I was hit by a B-40 rocket in Vietnam. But uh, the evolution of experience has shown that there have been a lot of guys that were burned with white phosphorus because it's a very explosive grenade that if oxygen touches it inside, it explodes. And uh, a sniper's bullet separated my thumb and index finger, went through my hand and blew the grenade right beside my face at 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm still here. That's something to say. And i got a reason I put it that way. There's a reason I put it that way because I really feel like God had a plan for my life before I was ever born. How many of you believe God has a plan for your life before you're born? Amen? Before you're born, God knows who you are, what you're going to do in life. And I believe that God knew that God had a plan. And I believe the devil knew it was a good plan. And he tried to kill me. I took it personally. He lowered the boom, took his best shot, hit me, knocked me halfway into eternity, and I'm still here. Because no weapon formed against me can prosper, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Because it's not about Dave. I hope that by the time I'm through this morning, I hope you can walk away saying he kept his word. It wasn't about Dave Reber. This is not the story of Dave Reber. This is the story of Jesus Christ in the life of Dave Reaver. It's the story of Christ. And he doesn't love me one iota more than he loves every one of you. I am no special person, and he's no respecter of persons. So everything you're going to hear today, especially in the area of suffering, is just my personal experience. But believe me, I've not had it worse than some of you. And you may look around and say, well, who's been burned? Well, some of you have been burned on the inside. It's called divorce. I'd rather go through 10 Vietnams than one divorce. I don't know how you do it. Some of you that have been through divorce, you are sitting there today, my heroes. Not because you went through divorce, but because you didn't give up and you didn't blame God and you didn't divorce Jesus and Jesus didn't divorce you. And in the middle of all your suffering, you stayed faithful to God. You're in the house of God today. You are my hero and I'm going to put a bobbing head of you on my dashboard. I love you, and I want you to understand, when I speak of my personal experience and suffering, I'm not comparing scars, because everybody gets hurt, that's not the question. When you get hurt, how you deal with it is the question, because God does not do evil 
I want you to say that with me. God does not do evil. Come on, everybody say it. God does not do evil. I shared this in the first service. I want to repeat it. I was on Trinity Broadcasting one night. Didn't want to be there. I was tired, but Miss Jan Crouch kind of conned me into it. She said, General, uh, General Reisner's on. He's asked for you. I said, okay, I'll go. But when I got there, I said to her, please don't ask me any hard questions, which sounded exactly like Hillary Clinton during the primaries when the media was on her. Don't ask any hard questions because I know when you're tired, you don't want to deal with that. And the hard question was not, did you get hurt or how did you get hurt or when did you get hurt? Why did you get hurt? This kind of stuff, that's not the hard question. You know what the hard question is? If God could put the moon in space, why couldn't he stop a little 7.62 bullet from blowing a hand grenade six inches from my right ear and me getting burned? Why couldn't God have stopped it? I'd never have blamed God that he did this. God didn't do this. You said it with me. God does not do evil. We agree on that. But why didn't he stop it? And I, like a good lawyer, if I don't know the answer to the question, I don't ask it. And I never would allow myself to dwell on that question. God, why didn't you stop it? Because I didn't know the answer. And I was afraid of the answer. And I've never said, why me, God? Don't do that. He might answer you. I don't know, Boudreaux. Just something about you I don't like. (laughs) People thought I got burned because God struck me with fire out of heaven. God doesn't do evil. But I don't know why he didn't stop. He wasn't responsible for this. I never blamed him. He didn't start the war in Vietnam. That wasn't God's fault. I had a guy ask me once, well, if there's a God, why was there a war in Vietnam? I said, well, if they put eggs in cartons by the dozen in Mexico, why do they put hubcaps on cars in China? And he looked at me, what? And I said, what? What do you mean? I said, what do you mean? Why do you associate things that are bad with God? God is good. God doesn't do evil. So something goes wrong. Why me, God? Because you've got an enemy called the devil, and God doesn't make the devil do what the devil does. He does what he does, and you do what you do, and we do what we do. We teach the devil most of what he knows. Listen to this. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. So we pull some stupid stunt. The devil says, boy, that was a good one. I'm going to remember that and use it on the next guy. So I never did blame God, but she gets me into this show. And I get there and I say, don't ask me any hard questions. It's Memorial Day. I'd been on a 90-day tour. I was exhausted. I was going to be a bad guest. And I wasn't going to do Trinity any good. I wasn't going to do me any good. So don't ask a hard question. First thing out of the box, Davy, do you still carry baggage out of that war? She wasn't inquiring about my Samsonite. She's saying, do you wake up at night screaming, pulling hair rollers out of Brenda's hair, loading imaginary machine guns? Are you suicidal? Do you have flashbacks? And I was suicidal. I've been suicidal for 20 years. And this was the end of the 20th year that I was on that show. And when she said, do you still carry baggage out of that war? I told her stuff I had not told anybody. I divested myself of some pain and some grief and some uncertainty. And I told her how I actually tried to take my life. I tried to kill myself. I'm embarrassed of that. And mama, I'm counting on you to to make sure your children understand Brother Dave was wrong. I'm sitting up here, the golden child. I'm on the platform. I'm the preacher. I got the mic. And you talk about trying to kill yourself, Brother Dave. Let me tell you something. I'm not the only person who had to fight the devil about that or any other issue. Fighting the devil is not the sin. Caving in is. 
We fight the devil every day. And people say, well, if you were suicidal, you shouldn't have been preaching. Don't talk to me like that. I know better than that. Because in this war of attrition, somebody wins and somebody loses. And I'm here today to tell you, I won. I continue to win. I am more than a conqueror. And this was the last night of that battle. And you're about to see why. When she told me that, I told her how that in Japan I'd asked for a mirror. I was, I was out of my head. I had all these drugs. I had all this pain. And when they showed me my face in the mirror, I thought, Brenda will never love me. I'm a freak and a monster. I'm telling you the God's truth people. I could not stand to see what I saw in that mirror. So I decided to take my life. So I could get me out of Brenda's misery. And I pulled the tube. I didn't have a gun or a knife or razor blades. How do you kill yourself when everything connected to you is to keep you alive? You unconnect. I think the word's disconnect. I pulled the tube, laid my head back, and I waited to die. All laid out to rest with my hands across my chest and my fingernails have never been so clean. And I got hungry. Wrong tube. I pulled out lunch. You can die that way, but it's going to take a while. And if you smell a pizza, you're plug it in, plug it in. You don't want to die. I'm telling you the truth. You out there that have considered suicide, anytime I have an audience this size, I've always got a certain percentage. I don't have to have divine revelation. All you got to do is look at the percentages. Some of you think of suicide regularly. Well, stop it. The first thought's on me. Second thought's on you, and that's the one that'll kill you. Don't give suicide a second thought. I brought the subject up. It's my fault we're talking about it. You continue to dwell on it. That's your fault because I'm going to tell you right now, suicide is not the solution. Everybody agree? Say amen. You teenagers, you youngsters, hear me. Don't be giving a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You'll get over that pimple. So I pulled the tube, laid my head back and waited to die, got hungry, and got chewed out too. The doctor gave me a lecture. They sent me to America to Brook Army Medical Center. And she walked in to see me. 19-year-old beautiful girl. She walked up to my bed. I said, I'm sorry, I can't look good for you anymore. And she said, Davey, you never were good looking. <laughs> there went that fantasy. I love her. She's the best friend I've ever had. And teenagers, two things you ought to know. We were virgin when we married, and 46 years later, we're still married. You thought I was going to say virgin, didn't you? Yes, you did. I saw your face. Elizabeth, this is a big one. But 46 years later, we're still married. Give us a hand. Come on, I'll wait. Not bad, huh? I remember when I kissed her to go to Vietnam. To this day, this is not a joke. It's, a, it's not real, but it's almost like it is real. If I lick my lips, I can taste the salt of her tears that I kissed off her lips that day when I turned and walked away to go to war. And I did just fine until she called my name. And when she said, Davy, if she had said, David, I would have stopped, looked for the stairway, gone upstairs, found a corner and stood in it because I knew that's where she would have sent me. But when she said, Davy, it was a term of endearment. I turned around, and the fact that I had not wept, not shed a tear, was totally blown away 
When I turned, by the time I didn't about face, tears ran down my face. And I said, what? And she asked me a question. Are you coming back? The haunting feeling has never left my heart. I work for the Department of Defense, and I've gone into the war zones. I've been six tours to Iraq, one to Afghanistan, preparing to go for the drawdown of the war in Afghanistan this year. I will have that question asked me again. She still asks. Every time I go, are you coming back? I could have said, I'll be back. (laughs) I could be governor of California. I said, I'll be back without a scar. Why did I add that scar thing? I believe that God was already preparing me that I would come back, but I would not be the man that kissed her goodbye when I came home from war. It would forever alter and change my life. And when I came home and she saw what was left, she did not leave me. She loved me. I got cold last night laying in bed. And she held me. Lonely is a terrible thing. And I want to say to all you young people, completely off the subject, but while I got you right here and you just blew me away with all of you that stood don't marry for sex and don't marry for image and oh he's so handsome or oh she's got the prettiest legs she's got the prettiest hair she's got the prettiest hairy legs I don't know what you're looking for (laughs) marry for love and marry for a purpose to serve God together okay that's my grandfatherly message to you today And on July the 26th, 1969, you know, right after the War of 1812, I know what you're thinking. That bullet hit that grenade and it blew and my life was changed. And God had a plan that I had no idea would be so immense. And when Jan Crouch said, well, you know why God let you be scarred, maimed, and burned, don't you? I thought, no, but this blue-haired wonder is going to explain that to me. I was so mad at her, I could have pinched her little head off. But it wasn't a Jerry Springer show. No, sir. No bouncers here. I knew I was in trouble. When I said, Miss Jan, I don't know why God let me be scarred, maimed, and burned. And she lowered her glasses and looked at me like this. And she said, Jesus didn't do that to you, Davy. He didn't shoot you that day. He didn't set you on fire. But he didn't stop that bullet because he knew. And here's the question I wouldn't ask. Because I didn't know the answer, a blue-haired wonder gave me the answer. And I thank her every year she hears from me. For over 20 years, I've thanked her for that statement that night. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make ye mad. It ticked me off, but it set me free. She said, he didn't do it. He didn't shoot you that day, but he didn't stop it because he knew he could trust you with the scars. Did you just hear what I said? Let it soak in. He allowed a difficulty, not a bad day. We don't have bad days as Christians. All things work together for good. Not bad. 
But they're difficult days, awkward days, painful days, and you name them days. I remember the day it hurt so bad I put my face in the pillow and I screamed and I hope nobody heard me. It hurt. My face hurt so bad the soles of my feet screamed in pain. And I lifted my head to take a breath and when I looked down I screamed again. I didn't care who heard me. My face came off and it was stuck to the pillowcase. I know what pain is. But God had a plan for my life. And out of all that pain, I remember a few incidents. Do I remember what it felt like? No, God's erased that from my memory. I don't have that pain. I'm not going to go kick that dog and wake it up either. That kind of dog bites you, amen? I got a dog had PTSD. (laughs) That's a bad joke. I just thought of it. You can tell they're not all working, but... There's some things I don't want to remember. I don't have, there's no benefit in me remembering the pain. But there's pain associated with war, pain associated with loneliness. But that day, the pain was taken away of suicide. And I have never considered taking my life again. And that's been over 20 years ago. And I can only say thank God for that woman who told me the truth when I didn't like the answer first. But I still... I still have awkwardness. Let's call it that. Sometimes I feel ashamed when I don't have the chance to explain myself. Children run up, look at me, scream, run off, run into stuff. It doesn't help when I go, you little snot. You know, sometimes they don't run. They just stand right there and they just pee all over themselves. Man, I just, uh, look at you puddles. You're saying, lost more in his face, Alice. (laughs) I do not have Dame Bramage. (laughs) That day was a difficult day, but it wasn't the worst. The worst day was the day that I tried to take my life. You say, well, you know, okay, now God's using that? Yes. And you know how? I speak in a public school. I go to our military installations. I finish speaking. Kids come up, roll up their sleeve. The military guys tell me privately. They won't talk about it openly how they want to take their lives. Those little kids in school show me how they've cut their wrists or they've cut their legs and how their cutters or their attempted suicide, and they relate to me. Do you know why Jesus did not go to Calvary in a limousine and die by lethal injection? Because we wouldn't relate to that. He was crucified, hands up, palms out, scars showing, and he could say to every one of us, I know how you feel, and he had a scar to prove it. He chose the hard road. I didn't want this. I didn't want to be different. That's why I choose that right seat in the airline so the window doesn't look at me and say, what happened to your face? From a guy uglier than me. I said, what happened to your mother? (laughs) You know you're ugly when you're born. The doctor slaps her. You know, life's not fair. And the day you think it is, it it, it just took advantage of you. Life isn't fair. That's not the question. How you deal with it is going to be the question. And I've tried to take my experience and utilize it, let God use it. And never was there a better place than with U.S. military. And not long ago, actually, I'm still on the tour in a way. I haven't. Brenda's just now getting over the time zone change. We started in Delaware, in, Del, in Delaware, Dover. I finally got it out. Sounds like soap, doesn't it? Dover. That's Dove, I guess. But... Dover, Delaware, 
all the way to USERPAC, U.S. Army uh, uh, Pacific Command. So that means Hawaii and all the West Coast. So I went from Dover through the Midwest to California to Beale Air Force Base to Hawaii. And I was doing the National Prayer Breakfast for thousands of troops. And I'm so honored to get to do that. You have no idea what it means to me. But I want to reserve these last moments to what happened on that tour at the beginning of it. I was in Dover, Delaware, and if you don't know, you should, and I'll inform you so you won't forget. Dover Air Force Base is the site of the National Mortuary. It's our morgue. And when a warrior is killed in battle, his remains always go through Dover, Delaware. I've been there. I've held the dead in my arms. I held one kid in my arms, 19 years old when he died. Burned 100% third degree, no skin on his body. And as he slipped away, the last thing he heard was, you're more than a soldier. You're a sacrifice on the altar of freedom. On behalf of a grateful nation, I came to tell you thank you. They ventilated him, if that's what you call it. They kept his heart beating until he got to America and his parents could be there when they pulled the ventilator. But he was already dead. I was there and spoke for the last, for the memorial, for the last officer killed in the war in Iraq. And I know what I'm talking about when I talk about this mortuary and how, handle, how our heroes are handled. And when a fallen soldier has given his life, you would be amazed, beyond amazement, how our military treats their fallen heroes. Their remains are treated more perfectly than they would pure gold. And when they arrive at the mortuary, they're put on, by the way, they're put on a C-130 or a C-17 or a C-5A, those giant aircraft. Their bodies are brought back straight to, to the mortuary in Delaware. And I was there and they were showing me the, I did not enter an autopsy. You know I would never do that. Amen. I, that's, that's hallowed. But bear with me as I tell you what I saw. And I think if I can translate this to you, it will impact your life. Suffering is part of the human experience. But to not lose your song in the suffering is the secret of success. To not lose your joy. And the scriptures, and for time's sake, I won't keep reading longer scriptures, that talks about the joy, that God is joy that sings over us. We are the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I'm standing there and I'm doing okay. I got through the autopsy room. I got through the delivery in what's called a transfer case. They don't call it a casket until after the ceremony. But when they took me into the dressing room, there was what I would call a closet. And it's lined up with hundreds of uniforms of all four branches waiting to be filled by average age 19-year-old teenagers who are willing to die for our freedom. This war is being fought by teenagers. 19, year old, 19 years old is the average age. Mix into that all those old guys that are generals and colonels and, and command sergeant majors and, ma- and sergeants and these guys that are lifers, they call them. Mix that in. How many 18-year-olds are in there? There's some 17-years-old, believe it or not. 19 years old. Better than us in Vietnam, huh, guys? You Vietnam vets, remember our average age? 
18. And I looked at all those uniforms and I said, oh, Jesus, no, please, God, no. Enough's enough. Don't fill those uniforms with remains of young warriors. God, please, no more war. And I hate war, but I love freedom. And I'm proud of my scars and stripes. And I'm proud I serve my country. I just can't wait for the Prince of Peace to sit down on the throne and be no more war. We have enough pain without inflicting it on each other. God knows I love my country. And I said to the man giving me this quote tour, I said, Colonel, this has to be the hardest duty you've ever done. He said, not, not this. He said, this duty is, but there's something that's even more difficult. I said, what in the world is that? He said, it's when those remains come here to Dover and the airplane lands and the truck backs up. And they take the transfer case with the remains off the aircraft to put it on a truck that's immaculate, it's clean, it's perfect. There's not a chip in the paint. It's, everything is so, you know, we have such a hard time with death. We put flowers around it trying to make it look beautiful. It's hard to look at death and call it beautiful. I said, well, what's so difficult, sir? He said, there's a rope that separates the families who get their very first look at the remains of their family members coming home in, in those transfer cases. I said, oh, that's got to be the worst. He said, not really. He said, every now and then, we have a runner. And I said to him, what is a runner? My wife used to get those in holes. I didn't know what he meant. He said, that's when mom can't take it anymore. That's when she jumps that rope. And when that truck, now loaded with that transfer case with the remains of her baby, when that truck takes off down the road to the mortuary, she jumps the rope and takes off down that road chasing that truck. She's trying to get that that baby back. I said, what do you do? He said, we have to outrun her. We have to catch her. And I said, and then what do you do? He said, we just hold her and let her cry. You see, it's true still, even though it's a cliche, freedom's not free. And it's just not enough to say a warrior died, but something in mom dies too. Something in that precious wife dies. Sometimes it's mom who dies in war. Yeah, we have a fair share per capita of our women who give their lives for this freedom that we sit here, take so granted. There's not going to be a Taliban hand grenade down this aisle. There won't be an Al-Qaeda truck bomb in this parking lot. Because when we were sleeping last night, and while we sit here enjoying our freedom of religion, the United States military was up all night watching over us. To have this day of freedom, God bless our troops wherever they are in this world. Have you ever chased a truck? 
I have. I'm chasing one today. I'm chasing a truck called America and the remains of a freedom I once knew when you could pray in school and the divorce rate was a minuscule of what it is today. I'm chasing a truck with liberty in it that the United States military chaplains could actually say the name of Jesus without being fired on the spot or sued by some atheist. Every atheist in this world has every right to not believe in anything they don't want to believe in, and I'll never stop them. But he will never take the name of Jesus off the lips of Dave Reaver. I will not forfeit. I chased a truck all the way to a tomb once. Boy, did I get a shock. He wasn't there. He is risen. Christ is risen. And because he is risen, there's hope for those remains in a truck called America. There's hope for remains of those who've laid down their lives loving others more than themselves. There is no greater love. There's hope for all of us who've laid a loved one into the ground. There's hope. And out of suffering comes freedom because somebody loved us enough to die for us. Abraham Lincoln wrote a letter to Mrs. Bixby after he was made aware of her sacrifice, when the War Department informed him that she had laid five of her sons, five, her five sons were killed, as Abraham Lincoln called it, gloriously on the field of battle, fighting for the Union, for the cause of freedom. He wrote her a letter. And the closing statement of that letter is burned deeply in the psyche of the man talking to you. He said, the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice on the altar of freedom. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think there's a way to say it better, but I hadn't found it. You're a theologian, pastor, and I say that very seriously. Can you use the word pride and God in the same sentence and say, Oh God, the pride that must be yours. To have laid so costly a sacrifice on the cross of freedom. It had to be something special because that day when Jesus was baptized, I remember the words of the Almighty. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If there's anything I want. In the natural, I hope that somebody would say, and because I asked for it, it won't happen. You can't get what you want if you ask for it. But if anybody would just say the one word that meant most to Dave Reaver was others. It's not even original with me. It was General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. The last word to pass his dying lips was others. And it went out in telegram to every outpost of the, of the Salvation Army. And they've lived by that code the most outstanding charity in the nation. Others. How about you? And the other thing I want is, even though it's a hairpiece, I hope God will tough my hairpiece and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, I don't want him to say well done. When you're a burn survivor, you don't want to be called well done. <laughs> Just settle for, you did good, Davey. Come on in. Am I making sense to you? 
I get all my parts back when I get home. This hairpiece I've chased across parking lots. Maybe I'll chase it across streets of gold. This ear that fell off when I was preaching in Jamaica. When I stuck it on, they thought it was a miracle and they all got saved. That worked. <laughs> I was on a night op. I, I got to quit. I'm sure my time's up here. But I just real quick, I was on a night operation with some special forces teams in Iraq. And I was not in danger. We were transporting some detainees. So we weren't likely to come under fire and. They don't put me in harm's way, although I've been through four firefights since I've been serving in DOD over there. And I thought that was all over in Vietnam. But the fact is, that night my ear fell off on the ramp of a C-130 at 2 o'clock in the morning when I threw my body armor on and hit my ear. It fell off. And I said, don't move. And everybody froze in their tracks. I said, my ear fell off. Would you find it? And these Navy SEALs are down there feeling around in the dark because you can't turn a light on in combat zone. And they... They were looking for my ear, and I started laughing, and one of them with expletives now deleted. I won't tell you what he said, but I will uh, readers digest it. You're just making us look like idiots. You didn't lose your ear. I said, no, I really did. It's down there somewhere. You're close, so I can hear you breathing. (laughs) One of them said, is it me? (laughs) Well, for my pathetic little sacrifice compared to those who've given it all, I'm thankful I had the chance to serve my country and to show you a little bit of that solemn pride that is all of ours to have. Consider the sacrifice in this little video I brought. It's only three minutes, and I won't hold you much longer. But thank you for your incredible patience. And did I tell you, I love you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this little video.
when you put lives back together, it's like buildings. If you don't put it on a good foundation, if it's not done right, it crumbles. Mr. Haney, who stood a little while ago, was general contractor on that beautiful lodge in Colorado. Mark, remember the day you came in and they'd done that floor wrong? They didn't do it right. And you made them pull that entire floor out and do it right. I've always thought about that and remembered with Mr. Haney, if it's not done right, it's not done at all. And it was done right. Perfect example of what we want to do and are doing with our warriors today. We bring them home from war. And they're shattered. They weren't built on a solid foundation. Most of them grew up in basements or attics playing video games. They come from homes of dysfunction and three different last names in the same family. His kids, her kids, their kids, somebody else's kid that showed up and they just took them. Oh, the hurt and the pain of a generation that's fighting a war for freedom. And when they come home, they're shattered, they're ruined. But we put them back together again. They come with no legs and we get them back on their feet. They come with no dreams and they walk away with 20-20 vision. That's what we do. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I'm going to ask Pastor if he would prepare to come. Uh, there's going to be an offering taken. I'm going to do a little reversal. In the first service, we did the offering uh, after we prayed, but I want to be able to pray because some of you may want to linger a little longer, and you'll be able to do that without considering the next service coming in. If you want to hang a little longer, you can. But Pastor will come, and there's a, an offering to be taken. We have a $30,000 commitment. Every time I do these sessions, we call them, we do so many a month, I can barely keep up. And I'm not going to lie to you, there are times like any church, I guess, if if you had to go three weeks and no tithe and offering, you'd be hard put to pay your bills. This year I went through open heart surgery and I was down for a long time and it was hard to keep, keep up with everything. But we did. We still got our nose this far above water. But the problem is, I don't have a reserve. I have to go with exactly what's coming next. We have a $30,000 commitment next. I can't do that without help. And if you can help against that, that's your challenge that I throw out to you today. This money doesn't go to Dave Reaver. I would just tell you. Brendan and I put everything we possess into it. I've sold vehicles because we're going to take care of our commitment. So we sold some of our personal vehicles to try and get this thing through a dark time. Not before last, Dry Gulch, when those warriors stood one by one, they pointed their finger toward heaven. They gave Jesus credit. They spoke of the difference God had made in their lives at Dry Gulch during our session there. It paid off, Pastor. I caught that truck. I caught that truck Friday night. And we're going to catch the one this week. We've got a session happening right now while I'm standing here, sitting here speaking in California. Chad Robichaud and Kathy are conducting a marriage seminar for our warriors on the West Coast right now. We've got to pay for all that. And with churches standing behind me, I don't have to look to some government. Matter of fact, as you've already heard, I won't. No government will do this. This is a God thing. 
I just want to say thank you for the privilege of ministering to you today. And as you've given this offering, there's one thing you should know that if you gave a thousand dollar gift or more than a thousand, I have a matching fund from Mr. Al Banker, Al Banker Insurance of Fort Worth, Texas. Up to a gift of even a hundred thousand dollars, he will match it up to a hundred thousand dollars. He is wealthy. And he said, for every person that gives a 1000 or more, I will match it. So if you chose to give a $1,000, and some people can do that. If you're like me, you can't. But some of you aren't like me. You're better givers than I can be. If you gave that $1,000, he'll match it. And we will send you a beautiful plaque with our embedded military service coins. That's one of the most beautiful plaques you'll get. And we'll show our appreciation. And we'll give you one of our wonderful little gifts. I wear mine. 14 carat nylon. I have fun with that, Pastor. But I want to give mine to you. This is yours, sir. In it is a hope and a prayer. Mine was put on me by my medic in Iraq. And he said, will you wear this and remember me? I said, you stop that. You're trying to sound like Jesus. If you do this in remembrance of me. I said, Jesus knew he was going to die. But you don't know you're going to die. He said, I think I am. I said, I'll wear it. I'm going to pray. And you're not dying. You're coming home. Well, Jamie Rath of 1st Infantry Division, Big Red One, came home. But it wasn't because of me, it's because of Jesus. But I'm telling you, prayer changes things. Amen? You believe that? We want to give you one of those. If you make that gift or if you buy all three of my books, we'll give it to you. But I want you to take the card that's inside. It's no gimmick. Write a thank you to a warrior. No gimmick. You don't have to put your name and address on anything. And when I go to Afghanistan this year, I will take your thank you and I will place it in the hands of a soldier willing to die for your freedom. So think about what you want to say. And if you get one of these, you can buy them. They're $10 contribution for scholarships. But if you take one for any reason, whether you buy the books or you get it for your $1,000 gift, you take time to thank them. Leave the card here. Don't wait till later. You'll forget to send it in. I'm taking too much time to tell all this, but thanks for the opportunity. I love you. That means I love you. But I speak sign language with a lisp. My thumb got blown off. It means I love you. My name's Dave Reaver, and I approve of this message. Dave Reaver, everybody. Thank you. As you... You can remain standing for just a moment. Uh, This week, I know there's an urgent need, and that's what the $30,000 is referring to. Just give us a point of understanding of what's happening this week. Well, this week, we have the session that's taking place in California, and we have a session. You can be seated. It won't take but two minutes, and you can time me on this. No, don't, but I'm close. Uh, We have been able to make such a profound and I mean to the max profound contact with Fort Bragg, the commanding general over and prosecuting the war in Afghanistan right now is Lieutenant General Joseph Anderson, who's one of my best friends in the world. I love that man with my whole heart. He commands. He doesn't demand anything of me. He commands respect. And he said to me, if you'll open a ranch on the East Coast until it's open, I will send my troops all the way from the East Coast to Colorado Ranch for you to train them. We, however, we, our program, not the military, we have to cover all of the expenses. And I am scrambling everywhere to get the money 
for airline tickets, for our presenters. They have to be taken care of. They have to be flown in. I am scrambling to pay for the food. I'm doing everything in my power to pay for the, the assistance in horseback rides, the insurance. You know what it costs to insure our warriors per year? Our lawyer told us the other day, you can insure an offshore drilling rig in the Gulf of Mexico for less than you have to pay. I said, well, if I get that kind of money in, I don't mind, but I don't get that kind of money. So what you're doing in this offering to give you a good, sharp, clear picture, you are buying the freedom for warriors to come all the way from the East Coast to have their lives changed. Some of them will be called in the ministry. Some will become my future presenters. You will not have pennies or dollars or percentages of great amount taken out for administration fees. Our ministry and Mr. Al Banker will be matching funds we're putting into what you give to help us finish this one that's taking place now and do the one that's taking place this coming week. Thanks for letting me mention it. Thank you. I love you, Pastor. I know you're my friend, man. You've always stood shoulder to shoulder with me. Here's four and a half. (laughs) Wow. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I want to ask the ushers to come. I want you to prepare an offering. If you're writing a check, make it to the assembly. 100% will go to the need that you've heard today. And if your gift is of $1,000, his office will know so that you receive the medal and uh, all the other things that go with it. So thank you so much. Let's step up and do everything that we can. This is a need we can meet. We can. I'd love to just say today, $30,000 is taken care of uh, from this church. We can do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for our opportunity to help other people. I pray, God, that you just really capture our hearts today with this need. And the reason that the need is there is because of the sacrifice of these men and women. So, Lord, we want to be quick and sacrificial in our response. Bless each person here and bless these soldiers. Lord, be with Chad and Kathy, as they finish up that marriage seminar, let it be uh, just a spirit of restoration and reconciliation. Be with Dave this week as he ministers to these soldiers that are coming to the ranch in Colorado. God, just change lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Thank you again for your giving. Thank you for being here today. And uh, he has started a discussion about suffering. We're going to continue that next week right out of Romans 8. I think you'll find it very helpful.
What he has started today is something that Romans 8 will speak directly to and it will be strength to your life. Why don't you identify somebody else who could use a message on, on just dealing with pain. Invest a little time and then invite them to come and be with you next Sunday. And I believe we'll see God really minister to all of us. Stand with me. I pray you have just an awesome day. God bless you and you're dismissed.